Hello again, Pez fans. I hope you've had a great week and that you're winning 11 at life. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Please don't switch off the podcast. I swear it gets better than this. Welcome to episode four of the Evo Web Interviews. This one should hopefully be coming to you in the Pez 2020 demo release week. It's here! It's here! Oh my god, it's here! Throw the homework in the bin! Call your boss, pretend to be sick, tell the girlfriend you need some time to think about things! For god's sake, it's here! It's here! <clears throat> okay, sorry. That might have been an overreaction. So, you've all played it by now. What do you think of the PES 2020 demo? This podcast is the voice of Eva Webb, and we want to hear your thoughts, the good and the bad. Head to anchor.fm, not.com, like I said last week, forward slash evo-web, and you can record your thoughts on the demo for us to throw into next week's episode. That's anchor.fm, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M, forward slash evo-web. Still far too much punctuation for my liking. Okay, on with the show. Now, usually at this point, I'd remind you that these episodes were all recorded when PES 2020 was announced, and we had a feature list to discuss, but no demo. However, today's episode has been moved forward so that we can get some demo analysis out there, and I can think of no better person to analyse this game than today's guest. We talk about the PES 2020 demo in detail, but also his favourite football games of all time. Ladies and gentlemen... I'm Chris Davis, and this... This is Matt Ten. So, with the demo having uh, just released, before I get into any specifics with you, what are your first thoughts about it? So initially, when I first played the demo, I was typically, you know, cautiously optimistic, as I always say. And I'm paying attention to players' runs off the ball, paying attention to defending positions, you know, just the typical analytical self. But as I let it actually play out more, I played more matches in a row, played a lot of the same matches, I really started to appreciate the little things. You know, just simple ball movement, simple logic, I think is a big word. Something that you don't really, I haven't really considered the last couple versions of PES to be very logical. But I've seen a lot more logic than than I've seen in a long time, and it surprised me. And the more I kind of gave into that, I slowly really started to kind of grow on me, surprisingly enough. You know, and that's just for the single player side of things. And then playing online, I mean, that's on another level. So, what really stands out for you in terms of are there any key features that really are game changing? Oh, the the main thing that stood out for me, and this is just probably a just typical my own perspective is seeing the the banks actually form at the top of the box even seeing a team actually have you know 10 you know 10 men behind the ball at one point and just seeing how more narrow that is and not seeing my defenders run away from the ball they're kind of holding their line and just seeing little things that you know I've noticed for years not be there anymore um which surprised me and I you know that that stood out because that just makes such a difference when you get the positioning correct because it lets the players use their logic to find the ball, to see the ball, and, and make an attempt for it. I was definitely surprised with that, but another thing was uh, the fouls. Surprised how sensitive they are. <laughs> Did not expect that. I expected them to be just kind of random. I didn't expect the collision detection to be so well done. 
Um, but I'm also at the same time not surprised that some of it is a little bit off the mark in, in some cases, like certain degrees of fouls and what's a foul and what's not a foul. Um, I'm sure, you know, since you brought that up as well. And that's the thing that I, I was surprised that it, fouls were there in the first place. And then I'm also not surprised they haven't fine-tuned it um, as best as it could be done. Yeah, my kind of where I'm coming from with it is the new dribbling system combined with the collision system that's in the game. For me, there's something that's not merging properly there yet. And there are things that you see. It's nice to see more fouls in the game. But my argument with it at the minute is that I want to see more actual fouls as opposed to that's given as a foul when a guy clearly wins the ball. And I think that's that's the key. It's not just, yeah, if it's two guys brush against each other and it's a foul, that's a little frustrating, but, you know, fine. It's when you win the ball perfectly. Well, when you commit a sliding tackle and get it absolutely spot on and you concede a free kick or a penalty or whatever it is, that's the kind of, that's where my frustration comes from. But somebody pointed out, I think it might have been Slam Soze, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your username wrong there, uh, on Evo Web brought it up today that actually in 2019 there are a lot of these niggly, not actual fouls, but it's just that there aren't as many fouls in a game, so when it comes to analysing them, they stick out more now because there are more fouls overall. They didn't stick out that much before because they only happened like two times a game if you're very, very lucky. So I think there's definitely some fine-tuning to be, to be done there, but everyone's, I think yeah, by and large, everyone is just happy to see more fouls and more opportunities to test out the, the free kicks. Definitely. And I, I agree with that. And I think that's an important part is the sample size that you see. I mean, we're playing five-minute halves against the AI. Or not even halves, that's five-minute matches, right? So, you know, you're you're looking at the sample size there, um, what type of fouls and, you know, what's being recognized as a foul. And I, I remember last night I was playing I could see the penalty from just simply brushing the, you know, the player in the box. Not even with my legs, just, you know, kind of grabbing over his shoulder. He just deflected off of it, kind of slid away the way pests sometimes will do, and it was called a penalty kick. So, and then the next, uh, next match, I, I slid in, you know, cleats up and took out some guy's ankles, basically broke it in half and, and no, you know, no yellow, no, you know, no foul either. So it's just a strange, set up but you know I, I appreciate what konami's on the way to do hopefully it can be fine-tuned but at the same time if it's not i mean i'll just have to accept it like a lot of things they are trying to do something here with the new dribbling system and with the new uh the, the way that the collision system is reacting i still think it's overreacting but either way it's nice to see an attempt at, at simulating that as you say so i've got a, a question for you you just said that you feel like, in terms of the uh, the defensive line, in terms of defensive positioning, it's a little bit more compact now. You feel like there have been some really meaningful changes there that you've not seen. You've not seen the likes of, of that positioning defensively in Pez for a while now. I know that on Twitter you have spoken, you've tweeted to uh, to official Pez about how you wish defensively things would change. My question is. Do you think they listen? I think that's, you know, part of me wants to say I think they've listened. You know, I've always felt like the thing with them, you'll, they'll never say if, you know, what they're doing. It's not like to the EA's level of pitch notes, right? So you'll never know, um, until you actually see it or until you actually play it. But 
based on what I can see, and, uh, you know, I'm a big proponent of animations. Kind of animations are what I go off of. And if I see a difference in animation, you know, that's what's going to tell me that whether it's the correct flow and of logic or not. And from what I've seen, just the way defenders are kind of holding the line, they're not running with players into the box. It tells me that they're, they're on the right track and they may be listening to the fact that since I think it was since the 2016 uh, demo, I was bringing up how you can see players just wind sprinting, you know, like running back and forth, trying to, trying to go as fast as possible in two different directions. Um, and not seeing that as much on the defensive line now is, is a positive sign. And the way I know that's also working is that I'm also not getting many long shots off. If you look at a lot of shots or a lot of goals that are long distance and pass pest versions, you'd see them pretty easily, you know, uh, that opportunity comes pretty easily because defenders are running away from you and they're following a, a mark somewhere else. And so that opens up the lanes for you to shoot. Just today, about 30 minutes before this, uh, you know, before we started talking, I finally scored a long range shot. And I think I've only got about three total, you know, and, and I think that's a good sign. That's a positive sign. And it'll make those kind of goals, those long shot attempts, let alone goals, just a lot more rewarding. And that's kind of all I wanted at the, you know, at the end of the day. How are you finding the differences between different team levels? Uh, and also, are you seeing any different tactics when it comes to, you know, playing against Arsenal versus, uh, you know, Man United? Yeah, you're seeing a lot more, um, you know, with, with Arsenal, I see a lot of overlapping, um, wing back play, um, you know, I'm seeing some higher pressure. Um, Man United, they, they like to circulate and find uh, Pogba a lot. Uh, Lukaku is very strong on the ball. Um, you know, it's little different things like that, um, that are obvious. Um, me personally, Chris, I'm, I always like to use the mid-tier teams, like 70 overall, 77, 78, you know, so I use like Colo Colo and, you know, um, Sao Paulo. I like to use those teams because I know they don't have like a higher identity compared to the bigger teams. So I, because I like to see what the core, um, you know, at PES at its core, basically, at that level. Um, that way I can kind of remove all those other, you know, abilities, um, player skill cards, etc. And I can kind of just gauge what it's playing like at, at the core level. Um, and what I've seen, you know, kind of what's been going on with PES for a while is you look at your tactics, and, and particularly the one for all-out defense. I mean, you play against a team that's all-out defense, they really do. They do even more pulling back and that's kind of one of the negative things i've seen in the demo is that they give you so much space when they go into that all-out defense mentality i pass the ball straight to my striker with the defender trying to creep up but he actually slides backwards and lets me receive the ball and you know and this is happening on superstar difficulty so things like that that um you know i want to see more logic in, in that sense based on the tactics but you know how I feel about the tactics overall in PES, um, you know, compared to actual player ratings, um, you know, skills, you know, all those values, uh, abilities from 40 to 99, how it's going to interact with the with certain players, um, you know, and certain abilities. And, you know, I, I always look deep into the ratings, of course, as kind of, you know, the, those values and see, you know, what is the difference between a 40 and a 60 and a 70? Because, you know me, I've done my stats. And, and, you know, changing all those values to kind of find out, you know, what is the trigger here um, and how it's going to play with this player versus another one. Like, how's a center back going to lug around the ball 
turning and spinning around. I believe I mentioned that in one of the Evil Web uh, discussions, I think on the, the 2021, about how players just kind of spin around with the ball very easily that I've seen on video. And then when I've actually played it, I've tried it with like a center back and it's still better than most center backs I've seen, but um, it's not completely unbelievable. It, it's really interesting, especially then you bring in that right analog dribbling that I, I really am not a good dribbler, so I kind of leave it alone. That's my problem as well. It's a whole new system to learn there. I'm sure it's very powerful. And the fact that I've seen online a difference between guys who are doing it the old way and just ping-pong um, passes about compared to guys who will, you know, they'll go past three or four of my uh, players with a, a run and I just think, this is the year when I've got to learn how to dribble. I've been putting this off for too long. You know, I think you're similar to me. We're kind of, we're not very fancy players, right? And so kind of not do a lot of uh, skill moves or, or anything like that, or I, I don't try to. But at the same time, it is interesting that it brings another layer of that. Maybe, hey, I'm going to go look up a YouTube video, or I'm going to go look on Evo to find some tips on how to improve things like that. But it's, it certainly seems promising. Do you think for you this holds more promise than any of the previous demos? It has the combination of the 2017 ball physics that, you know, kind of reminded me that kind of solid feel that it finally came back to. And, and seeing this now in, in motion and playing it and, and the feel. People were mentioning PES 2014, but for me, 2014 had such an emphasis on acceleration. And you don't get that as much here. It's more so really about controlling the ball. And the player movement off the ball is what I find is just absolutely fantastic. Just seeing little things of, you know, Rashford coming to the check to the ball with his hands open, um, you know, and, and little things like that. Players running off the ball to make a sprint, but then stopping because they're offside. Little things that I, I just haven't um, seen in PES, let alone a, a demo before. But yeah, at the same time, Chris, I, I'm just so cautiously optimistic. I'm more towards the end of cautious than anything with Konami because, you know, we've been hurt so many times before. You know, just thinking about how even just 2019 seems so promising. And then it's just one thing that hurts it, and then they over-patch it, and then it just becomes crap. I might as well get into the traditional questions now. So my first question for you is, uh, what was the first PES game that you played, and what are your memories of that game? So I lived, I, w- I was born in Indonesia, and you could get, you could get games like crazy from my, my PlayStation 1. And I had Winning 11, the J-League version, 97. And that was the first type of PES game I played. And the irony about that is, is I had an uncle, um, and he got me the game. And it was that or FIFA 97 that I would play, right? Just those two games. And I loved my PlayStation dearly. And he was fighting with me to say, hey, we got to go play J-League, it's such a better game than FIFA, right? And I said, okay, well, you know, I, I wanted to play FIFA at the time. And ironically, I left FIFA in overnight. You know how you, you know, there were no saves mid-match, right? So you left your PlayStation on overnight. And the next morning, my PlayStation was broke. And oh, I always thought oh. to myself, <laughs> exactly. And I thought to myself, what if I had only agreed to go play, you know, Winning Eleven, the J-League version? And if what would have happened to my PlayStation if it would have you know, lived another day? But that that was pretty much it. And then after that, I played Bullstorm. Bullstorm 97 was probably my favorite Konami soccer game, simply for the fact that 
again, I lived in Indonesia, so these games were were not exactly legal in some cases. And so I had a really bad version of it, and it would it would just scratch all the time. So I would always try to turn it on. I'd just wait for 30 seconds. If it got past the Konami screen, I knew I was good to go. But so many times it didn't. About 80% of the time it didn't. But then the one time it did, I'd just be so excited to play it. And i just start, and I'd use like Norway because it looked like Manchester United. And I liked Manchester United at the time. Amazing now I'm a Fulham fan. But um, you know, at the time, I just wanted to just play and, and play Goldstorm and, and just experience that. And that was just completely... You know, a re- reflection of how 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 much I did to to want to just play the game or just want to experience that type of footy and that type of you know soccer as Americans call it. So um, that's my fondest memory. FIFA. FIFA was just a game. You know, my first FIFA game I think was was that one is basically where they had an indoor, and every time you scored a goal, it would go to the scoreboard. It would be a terrible graphic animation. And it would tell, you know, it was just really bad. <laughs> now that I think of it and how did I even play it, I think it was the first game I got on my PlayStation. And to me, that was such a big deal. And so I played that. And then my uncle, of course, introduced me to Konami soccer games. And and then it wasn't until later on to like FIFA 09 that it really kind of came about. Um, because I wanted to play FIFA so bad on the PC, there was a time in which the graphic card, my graphic card couldn't handle getting the numbers on players' backs. And so I desperately learned my computer in and out, learned about graphic cards and learned that I needed a certain graphic card so I could just have player numbers on the back. And so I dedicated to, you know, save up and eventually bought a graphics card to get, you know, stupid player numbers on the back. And that's my most fondest memory of of FIFA and kind of the inclusion of where I started there. In terms of Fulham, it's amazing to think how long it's been. But when um, I became a Fulham fan, when Brian McBride went over there, go play because I was a big Brian McBride fan I was a striker myself and I wanted to be just like him and when he went over there and you know that full America um, big movement if you will watching him and then that just made me start to just love Fulham and and just kind of learn about all the players and it's funny now that I'm still supporting them and and now I actually contribute to you know to um, a Fulham fan website called Fulham Focus and I do all the video editing and, and sometimes jump on the pod as well. That was a big thing with me with Fulham because at the time I was working on my own quote unquote soccer career. So I really wanted to, you know, play professionally for Fulham. You know, that, I really wanted to. That was my end, my goal. My favorite player of all time in any club country is, is Clint Dempsey. And Clint Dempsey was my favorite player to watch. I would go crazy to try to watch him do anything. I watched him for the New England Revolution. I watched him before that when he was at Furman. Um, you know, I'd like to say it was actually him, but I once had MySpace and I messaged him on MySpace and, and he messaged me back and he said, he said, uh, appreciate the look. If you don't grind, <laughs> he says something like, appreciate the look, Matt. Remember, if you don't grind, you don't shine. And then that was it. And then of course, you know, I'll never know if that was actually him. But at the same time, it was kind of cool. He was my all-time favorite player, you know, that I thought, maybe. Because before that, he wasn't super famous. He was still, you know, just joining the revolution. So who knows? Maybe it was him, maybe it wasn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, Clint Dempsey overall was my favorite uh, Fulham player. And now it's um, it's completely different now. But I, And that's how I know I've, you know, I've grown to love the club because there's not really any real American players other than um, Tim Bream 
And then uh, Luca Della Torre are kind of the only Americans that play there now. And, you know, I'm not really following those American players, but, you know, I root them on, of course. But now it's more about the club. That was definitely Pink Fancy. If it was anyone else, it would have been such a, a nice little kind of appreciation message. Right. That, that's the kind of thing that professional athletes, if they do ever, you know, they respond to, to fans of things. That's exactly the kind yeah. of thing they say. So, um, yeah. it, mu- it must have been. But that, that's amazing. <laughs> I also want to ask about your uncle. Your mm-hmm. uncle who had the knowledge of football games to know that winning 11 was better than FIFA at that time. How much older was he than you, and is he still playing football games now? You know what's funny is um, my uncle is actually a real famous soccer player for Indonesia. He's, um, his, his name is Gundut Doni, and Gundut in Indonesian means fat. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's just a, he's just a fat kid when he was younger, and then it just stuck. And he actually played for the national team. And he and, uh, you know, my, my mom's side of the family is Indonesian. She has, she's seriously the oldest of 12 brothers and sisters. So I have uncles that are actually, you know, that are real close to my age and, and some of them far apart. But he's the, he's the one that really got me into understanding like actual football can actually look like in, in a video game sense, you know, and, um, it, it kind of just understanding that and, and it's kind of where it started from and just seeing how players looked. And when you played video games, as a kid, I always thought about how I could apply it to like my real play, you know, because I was training to to be part of the um, Indonesian national team. I really was trying hard at the time because I had dual citizenship, and so I was being groomed for that. And so that was a, a big thing. I, I wanted to learn as much as I could, and I started studying video games to to really kind of understand like certain positions on the pitch, certain ways, certain ways to turn. Because you know, video games you can do anything. And that eventually, you know, that just got me into become a, a better player physically on, on the field. As a learning tool, I do think it's, I think it's really powerful. It sounds like your uncle was trying to sit you down and go, right, this is a simulation of sorts, whether it was, you know, kind of rudimentary then or not. This is a simulation. And if you want to get better, this is, you know, a handy little training tool for you to start thinking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. That's a great way of putting it is a simulation. I think it's the first time you could see the game as a, you know as a simulation, and so that's kind of where my whole essence, I guess, digitally and probably more you know personally as well, is just logic kind of dominates. My wife hates it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Cold hard logic does nothing for the ladies, does it? Does absolutely nothing. So my next question for you then is: What is the pest game that you think you put the most time into? Oh man. That's a good question because time into PES is, you know, for most is like how long of a Master League did you play? For me, you know, I've been editing PES since, you know, PES 3 came out. But I'll say, when I say editing, I, I edited player stats, you know, to make it a better game. Um, I was known on soccer game as Sepak Bola, which was, you know, my older alias and um i would do editing re-rating of players um and i spent the most time on pest four and you know what was the stupidest thing that i spent the most time doing after editing players i would then because this editor i used on the pc didn't didn't have this option i literally went to every single player on each team and edited their calf size lower so that the ball (laughs) would look bigger and so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the ball would just look bigger and so it would look more natural as it you know got moved around the pitch that that's that's how in, 
and you know that's how I was. And I at, at that time I was in college playing college soccer, and but you know I'd stay up late at night to edit player casts, and people in my dorm were wondering what I was doing. <laughs> so 2019 is the only full release game that we've had our hands on at the minute. If you uh, look at 2019, what are the three things that really liked about it and that you really the biggest problems with the game oh good question so first three let's see this first three good things pre-patch so day one you know as it came out i thought the ai attacked much better despite the low crossing and despite never shooting like for the most part you know from from defense all the way up to attack i felt like they attacked just a lot better um and then of course the patch came out to fix the shooting and fix the low cross, and then they just came super direct. So that'll be one and one, right? One good, one bad. But the the next good, um, you know, the ball physics. The ball physics have always been good in pass, um, and I thought they were they were pretty good on on point. And I felt like um, the third thing was the physicality was was there, but it just wasn't recognized. Um, you know, you'd wonder when am I ever going to get a foul, or when is the computer? You know, I, I can slide tackle into him. It's fine. That'll be a foul, but it never happened to me. This so the collision detection, you know, was was just lacking in past. And and then the third thing in terms of what was what was really the toughest point and kind of the negative for for PES, um nineteen was just how the how the AI attacked, how they become super direct. And and the way you can always tell that they've changed something in the patch is how players off the ball run. They start to run as if they're all forwards at the front line. They're not, you know, center midfielders here. They pass the ball to a right wing or right midfielder. And now the center midfielders screaming up the pitch with their hands raised. You know, that's when you know they've done something wrong. And, and you didn't press L1, you know, for like a quick one, two. You just see them start to sprint up the pitch, not being an option. And, and you know, it's going to be rapid attack, um, end to end action. And that's why I'm kind of cautiously optimistic, you know, when you segue into PES 2020. I have to admit, I'm more optimistic than I usually am uh, at this time of year because the demo, the feel of it is just so different to the last couple of years to the point where dribbling doesn't feel like a PES game. You can still see when certain animations play out, I still feel the rails are there and I feel like, right, I'm locked onto this course until this animation plays out. But by and large, it does seem a little bit more organic I suppose. Still, maybe not quite to the level that you might see in FIFA, and I shouldn't do a direct comparison. But then with FIFA, it's so organic that it's less like you're controlling a human being and more like you're controlling a jelly shape. So it's there's got to be some kind of uh, balance, and maybe this is the best balance that that we've had so far in a football game. If we we look at post-2020 news, uh, everything that we know so far, uh, some of this we will have had experience of that because we played the uh, the demo. Uh, some of it is still we're yet to see it because we haven't got our hands on the final release yet. But I'm going to go through every feature that has been announced. So I just want to know how excited you are for them or how not excited or if you think it's an area that should be improved or if you don't see any reason to spend dead time on that area compared to when you know how it was in, in 2019. Right. So... Number one is improved ball physics. How do you feel about that? I like them. I think um, I'm trying to think. I, I think they've done a really good job at um, understanding how the ball is supposed to you know, rotate and even skip off the ground. You can tell the difference when you're playing in the 
and the rain on a dry pitch or rain playing in the snow. Um, the, there's just an extra skip ahead. You, you, you can tell your player is starting to trap it a lot sooner. Um, personally, I'd like for there to be more loose balls um, on, on both fronts. Uh, I feel like even on certain deflections, the, the ball just finds a player's feet very easily. And I feel like that's kind of unrealistic. I've seen like certain type of defender um, tackles or interceptions are kind of like perfectly trapped animations instead of, you know, little deflections here and there. But um, in terms of the ball physics, I think they're, they're pretty good. I feel like the ball is maybe a little floaty when it's, um, you know, in the air. I feel like it stays up there for quite a long time. It feels like it's like you went from speed zero to speed, you know, minus two for just a moment there. Um, but that's the only time. Other than that, I feel like I feel like they're improved. I do agree with you when it comes to the deflections. I have seen quite a few times in defense where the ball just it, it seems like it always has to find someone if there's someone within a certain radius of it. It can't just be a loose ball. It has to magnetize to a, to a player. I think that's why I never feel completely comfortable and happy and I could play this game for a whole year. Is because that, that's the thing that really sticks with me is that I can still feel the rails occasionally and still see those kind of magnetized moments. And that, that's the stuff where I feel like FIFA's going to get to a point before Pro Evo does where that ball feels completely loose and detached from any kind of magic tricks. But it's whether FIFA get everything else right around it. And, uh, that's, that's my issue. I mean, ball physics in the last FIFA were terrible and They've admitted as much when they were speaking to... Who was it from Operation Sports? That, oh, um, for Joel? Yeah, that was a great article. That was a fantastic article about about the new FIFA and the way that I've experienced it myself where when you're part of a kind of press or community group, they will sit you down with the code and show you some videos and say, this is what we saw. We compared FIFA 19 to a match, a real football game, and went, this looks crazy, it's in fast forward, this looks terrible. Um, and so we've worked on that for, for 20. But then the, the article was, was fantastic and really got me hyped. And then I saw a, a translated, admittedly, article from the head gameplay producer. He was quoted as saying, um, it might look like it's slower, um, but it's not slower. The idea is we want to keep all of the same uh, response times, uh, etc. And the actual speed of the game and the speed of players hasn't changed. It just looks slower because of changes that we've made tactically and that immediately sets alarm bells going with me because it was too fast in every way not just in a you know the development of play way it was just all too fast so yeah that's uh that scares me but anyway going back to uh, PES 2020 uh feature number two is new first touch techniques how do you feel about those well now that i've learned a little bit more about the right analog you know not letting the ball just run over, run through my player. I've, I've, I have tried a little bit. Um, like we mentioned earlier, you know, kind of researching tutorials and stuff. And then know like R2 plus the right analog definitely helps that uh, kind of dribbling and kind of collecting the ball. I've noticed that's been really nice. Um, I've noticed some, some strange animations as well, kind of where the ball is trapped and then, um, a player trying to perform a back heel right after it kind of, you know, the player's leg goes through the ball. Um, it's just kind of clipping like that, but for the most part, I, I feel like 
there's an emphasis to know what you need to do with the ball next. And I think anytime you have that in a, in a fo- football video game, I, I think you're on the right track. Because just like in real life, you're always thinking about what you're going to do with the ball next. And if Pest can challenge you to do that versus just hitting one-touch passes all throughout the pitch and getting up the pitch that way, I think you're. I, I think that's a good sign that there's resistance being met. Um, and now my emphasis to take first touch is important, or not take a first touch and end up, you know, one time uh, passing it somewhere else, or even clearing the ball. You're talking there about moving the ball off the pitch. How do you feel about PA one and how accurate or or not accurate that is now? Because I still feel that it is way too laser guided for my liking. Do you think that's fair, or do you think there's actually a really noticeable improvement in that mm-hmm. area? It's uh, I'm with you. I, I feel like PA1 is fairly automatic. It feels just like assisted at times. So I think, you know, holding down, if you hold it down, uh, the pass one all the way down, then yeah, you're going to get a, a triggered animation that's going to be a little bit more, you know, power on the pass, etc. But in terms of direction, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's still pretty automatic. I, I would agree there. The problem is, you know, I, I still use PA1 myself. I'm not good enough for manual, even though I've tried. But, you know, I, I may give it a go because everything seems to be intact in which it doesn't feel like it's constantly end-to-end. But if anything, PA1 is kind of a necessity because the computer may be not using you know, PA1. They may be PA3 for all I know. But um, that's really the most important for me is to kind of understand that there's a balance. I know some people claim that if you use manual or PA0, the computer also plays like a PA0. Um, I haven't seen too much evidence of that, but the good thing is I have seen that the computer has mishit the ball and misplaced passes. Um, so hopefully there's a balance there and hopefully it's not just demo side effects. I would say I agree with you on the whole, oh, if you play PA0, then the AI goes easy on you or you know, plays PA0 as well. I, I don't think that's a thing and I have tested that myself because for me, in previous PESs, PA1 is just, it's far too assisted. There needs to be, for me, PA3 and PA2 shouldn't exist. PA1 is assisted as it is, and there should be some kind of PA0.5 that we could right. have against that. Right. Um, the equivalent of FIFA having semi-assisted and assisted, because even FIFA's passing on assisted is nowhere near as assisted as PA1 is on PES, in my opinion. No, I agree with you because I've used assisted on FIFA, um, you know, playing with D-Man and, and, and all those, you know, um, pretty guys um, playing on pro clubs, right? And when you play on pro clubs, you have to be pretty pretty on point with your passing. And I've used assisted and I haven't felt like I've cheated the engine or cheated myself out of anything, you know? Um, and it, it's kind of interesting how that works, uh, you know? That, that can be a whole other debate talking about FIFA and their ratings and how you know, how they're more related compared to pests of the past, and we'll see about 2020, the jury's out. Yeah, I'd love to get into using PA0, but it's just, it's it's not for me, and again, <laughs> as, as you just said about the whole, you know, attributes thing, I feel, I always feel like I'd rather the game use attributes to a little bit more of a degree than giving me, if not complete, then almost complete control over every pass, because... Right then surely there's not much difference between playing between you know, the best players and the, or the best passers and the worst passers, I should say. Yeah, so. and my testing with, with um, when I tested, you know, abilities and, and stats and lowered them all down from, you know, 99 to 40, etc., 
the you know the funny thing is the main thing that sticks out in terms of the short passing is through passes. That's the only thing that really affects it. And it's odd because I'll have it at 40 and I'll be normal with simple passes. No difference from a 40 player to a 99 rated player uh, in terms of their short passing value. You just only thing that really changes is their quality of through passes, which is strange to me. Um, and that's how it is as early as PES, uh, I would say PES 2015. Yeah, there's a guy who with the 2020 demo, again, he's mentioned this on our forum, and I'm really sorry, I don't know what your username is. Um, you should post more and then know who you are. That's, that's all <laughs> I've got to say about that. Um, but he did some experiments where he was in the demo putting the goalkeepers and um, the worst rated plays possible in the midfield and finding that his pass accuracy and possession stats and everything else were just the same as when he was playing the standard midfielders. And I don't know, I don't know which teams he was using, but that immediately starts alarm bells ringing with me. But I realize some people will respond to that and say, there will be differences. They may just be subtle differences. And so maybe it's not enough of a difference for someone like me because I want to see a really big pass fail rate increase when you're using someone who's not very good in the midfield. But I accept that I, I don't think I say this enough really. You're compressing 90 minutes into 10 minutes, which you can only do by taking shortcuts in some places. And right. Right. It's, yeah, it's how you do them and where you do them that, that makes a difference between you know, whether you prefer the pairs or FIFA because they both do different things, but they both still have a valid approach of, well, it has to be compressed so we make the passes faster or we make the passes more accurate to make sure that you're getting enough goal manufacturing, you know, compared to FIFA that might be the case of you'll get three shots per game, but they'll all go in or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, I agree with that. You have to essentially the, you have to pick your battles, you know, and you have to pick your battles on what you're going to sacrifice for the sake of the understanding of what their end goal is. And like you said, if you compress a 90-minute match into 10 minutes, there's going to be shortcuts and there's going to be sacrifices that have to be made, and you know, that are realistic or not. So this brings us to number three, which is finesse dribbling, which I think we've, we've spoke about already. And <laughs> yeah. We've got a lot of learning to do. Seems to have promise, but there's learning to be done there. Would you agree with that? I completely agree. I'm going to find some YouTube videos. <laughs> so we can skip straight ahead to number four, which is context-sensitive kick accuracy, i.e. missed kicks. Now, I don't feel... So I'll give you an example. I played a through pass to, I think it was Makaku, who was in a perfect position to score. I pressed shoot through a first-time shot, and I felt that Given the position he was in and everything else, it was a perfect opportunity to just slide the ball past the keeper and rather than the game look at the context and go, everything is set up perfectly here, it just went, oh, you hit the first time shot, so I'm going to apply some uh, error here. I, I can see the intent. You know, I think the execution is, is lacking just a tad. Um, you see it more in your passing. You know, if you're facing the direction you try to pass across the pitch, obviously it's going to be under hit. It's going to be lobbed as well. Kind of reminds you of like the 2018 of, you know, that passing mechanic. But in terms of shooting, yeah, I think it, it definitely needs to be a lot more relative to the players' bodies and, you know, and, and kind of what direction they're facing, but also understanding their ability. Like Lukaku can bank that shot all day. But to counter that, I did have a match um, earlier in which I was basically one on well, one on one with the defender taken. I forgot who I was using some Brazilian team 
Um, you think I was using Everton, the player, and, and I had sprinted past the defender and the ball was still out front and I had pressed the shot button, um, as the ball was still, you know, pretty far out front and he ended up just kind of toe poking it for a goal kick. And I thought that was an interesting thing to see. You know, in the past, you might have seen them contextually. It would wait until the animation was proper enough to, to kind of catch up. And then the shot would have decent amount of venom on it. Um, but now seeing that was, was definitely kind of a pleasant surprise, you know, um, in general. And I thought, I, I thought that's exactly what I think would have happened if you had to stretch for a ball like that, trying to shoot and having all that pressure. And so that kind of emphasizes that kind of humanizing the, the players for me and i liked that a little bit so it, i i'd say they've the concept is good it's just a matter of how often can it be executed i do have to admit as well that while i'm experimenting with, with these things i can't be sure that it wouldn't be different if i pressed the shoot button just before he caught up to it as opposed to you know a second before he caught up to it i don't know if that pays you know if that changes the game i don't know how the controls work right now with these things so Right. It, could, it could well be that we learn things over the next uh, week or two from guys with the demo doing experiments and saying, hey, this just happened to me, you want to go and try this, that really open our mind in terms of, right, actually, that happened and Lukaku missed that chance that usually he would uh, easily put away because I did this with the controls. And people are saying that with the, uh, the tackling as well, the fact that if you just lazily hold down the pressure button now, you will get punished by the game for it. And I like to see that. I like to see the game going, no, if you just hold down X, um, then you're going to get a, you're going to concede a foul. But what I don't like is that sometimes I feel like the game is punishing me for doing that, but not by creating a genuine foul by my player, just by going, you held the button for five seconds, so you're going to concede a free kick for being lazy there. So, yeah, it's a, it's an odd one. But we found out more about the game the more that uh, people experiment with this demo. So that brings us on to number five, which I think is probably my favorite feature of the lot. And that is Inspire, or at least the idea of Inspire is, I think, the most interesting idea and the most game-changing idea. This is the idea that uh, there is a group of three stats that I've seen for each player to say uh, how they uh, prefer to send long passes out or if they're a dribbler so that the teammates around them interact with them in different ways. So if you've got someone who's an expert long ball player, then your uh, wingers might start running long, expecting you to you know, hit a ball over the top or whatever it might be. Uh, if they're an expert dribbler, you might find players parting like the Red Sea in front of you to give you a channel to, to run down, maybe trying to distract some defenders to create space. What do you think of the, the feature, the idea of it? And also, have you seen anything in the demo that you think may be uh, caused by this new feature? You know, I like, I like the idea of it. I love, I love the idea of it. It reminds me of a marketing version of the chemistry value and, and teamwork value, if you will, that used to be in the older best. And while there's no real kind of triggered animation of, of the teamwork and chemistry value that I could think of, it's neat that they have kind of looked at it this as, you know, we've got these certain players that can make an impact on the pitch, you know, or we're going to see what they're going to do. Like if you have Messi, I've seen him dribble. I um, mean, you know, if he's going to dribble, he's going to cut inside. Obviously, you're not going to stay, you know, if you're Suarez, you're not just going to stay inside. You're going to kind of run off the ball and, and make some space for him. And I've seen that a couple of times, which is which is good. And I would just, if you hadn't told me 
Chris, I probably wouldn't have known, you know, if that was even anything. And so to me, it's more marketing than anything. But at the same time, I can appreciate what they're doing. And again, I think that's a nice emphasis to what, you know, the, the structure and, and online and, and offline and, and all that. And, you know, for, for me, it's about how long would they maintain this kind of inspire, um, you know, throughout Master League, for example. What happens if this player hasn't played all year and now, you know, do they still get this trade? Uh, for me, it's about what qualifies these players to have that inspire um, value for them. It's hard. There's, there's still so much that we don't know about it. So I didn't know when we'd heard about this feature initially, there was no talk of it being those three areas. But if you look at the attributes for each player in 2020, you can see that there are two stars for each of those three areas. I think it's, I know I've seen dribbling, I've seen long balls. The other one might be low passes, I think it is. And those two stars are duplicated. So you've got stars on the left and stars on the right, which makes me think, why why are there two sets of these stars for the same thing? So you've got, for example, the long ball bit, you've got two stars on the left of it, two stars on the right of it. So I've not seen any of them lit up on the right-hand side. I've seen a few players who might have a long ball inspire rating of two stars out of two. But then the right side, there are still two holes there. And I think, is this to do with defending these guys? Is it an attacking side and a defending side? There's so much that we, we need to uh, find out about it. Um, but it also makes me wonder, because we're just talking about team spirit, and someone yeah. else brought this up, that it does have kind of those hallmarks of, of what team spirit should be. I kind of wonder if this maybe could replace team spirit in, uh, in Master League, for example, because how would it work otherwise if you have a player who has a team spirit of zero but their inspire means that the players around them should know that they're going to hit long balls, so the players should start making runs for them. It's it's one of the many, many things when it comes to pairs tactically that just seems to clash with each other, and there's no real explanation to, to help us along with it. With pests, it's always about the priority of, you know, the hierarchy, if you will. You know, like where we where it used to be just about stats, you know, and there's no overall. Remember those days when there was no overall? And you could just, you'd have to literally go into the details and find, you know, what can I do with this player? You know, exactly. I, now I, now it's a shortcut. It's like a snippet of, you know, this is what they represent. And you don't have to look further into that. They have the inspired trait or whatever it's called. Personally, I'd like if there was a defensive inspire, you know, like you look at the, the you know, the off the ball traits that could be applied to this. Um, but at the same time, I appreciate what they're doing. And if they could apply it to, you know, more players and, and types of players, um, I, I think it had opened some doors for, you know, a lot of people. Um, and again, some of us realism uh, simulation guys you know, may have to just kind of accept that direction and maybe embrace it uh, overall. So I'm genuinely curious what's going to come of it, um, especially in the, in the, in the full, uh, full game, of course. I think that the idea behind it is that so if you thought that in 2019 every game felt a little bit similar mm. uh, and that you weren't really seeing, you know, you, if two teams had similar play styles, then you would notice much of a difference between playing those teams. I think the idea of Inspire is that you really do see differences open up through the game because they have a certain player in the, in the midfield who changes how the, everyone around him reacts. And it's not driven by the tactics or the strategy. It's driven by them themselves so that then if they get substituted then 
the team it sticks to that original tactical framework, but it's not trying to hit the same long passes or whatever it might be all the time. It's a little bit different because they've introduced this new player to the game. So I think from a kind of variety point of view for offline, I think it has huge potential. Um, it's just a case of, yeah, as you say, seeing what it's like in the final release. So that takes us on to number six, which is new defending animations, which was, as uh, Jangov, I think it was, pointed out, uh, it was initially called uh, New Ways to Defend, but it turned out that actually it's a few new animations have been added in defensively, including one of a player getting hit in the balls, uh, which I've seen a few too many times for my liking there. It reminds me of, there was a Pez where slipping in the rain was introduced, and it was a case of every 10, 15 seconds, someone would fall on the ground. It reminds me of that kind of stuff. But um, anyway, that's me being my uh, pessimist self. How do you feel about the new defensive animations? Yeah, I think they're good. I think, uh, you know, anything emphasis on defensive, you know, for pests to me is, is a step in the right direction, especially after so many years of it just being about players with the ball, you know. And I think it's important. The, there was kind of an imbalance. You focus on all these features on the ball and none of it is featured off the ball defensively, especially. And that's a big point that I wanted to see happen. So I'm, I'm happy that they were paying attention to the point that they're creating animations for it. That means it's going to trigger something. Um, but I agree that some of it is kind of, ah, I don't know if it's gimmicky is the right word. Um, or even that's the right way to say it, but it does feel like I've, I've seen like the, the, the overhead kick clearance so many times, um, in the box. And it's weird after a while seeing that kind of animation on a simple, you know, header that should have happened instead. And then seeing the players kind of diving header to block the shot. To me, I don't see that too often. So I think, again, I don't know how it's going to play out in the full game, but I like the idea. Again, it's one of those things. I like the concept of it. Again, it's just about execution. Um, I'm not going to complain though that they're focusing on defensive animations. Uh, that tells me they hopefully have the basic fundamentals of defensive animations on point. Well, speaking of defending, number seven is deliberate fouls. There is a specific button press to do a uh, deliberate foul now. How do you feel about the addition of that to the game? Yeah, I think that just builds um, a lot more variety. Um, I haven't seen it. I don't think I have. I mean, I've deliberately slide tackled somebody from behind, but you know, I don't think that's the button. But <laughs> I think... Uh, I, again, I like it. That's a defensive value uh, element, and, and it allows more options for those set pieces we talked about earlier. I mean, the more chances for set pieces, which is just a big part of the game that I think Konami undervalued greatly, despite pushing it as a feature, undervalued like how you're going to get these free kicks. I think they, they undervalued that so much, uh, to the point where they actually worked on changing camera angles and all this for these set pieces, but yet we never got to see them. And now, hopefully, that's going to be more common. And I, you know, again, I appreciate it. I personally haven't seen the intentional foul, but again, I appreciate that it's being suggested, and hopefully somebody has seen it. I just hope it's not just for the human player, but that the AI can do it as well. That's something I would... I mean, I don't think anything in this demo would give me greater pleasure than to get away from the last man only for them to bring me down and get a red card afterwards. That that would be fantastic to see. <laughs> um, but while we're talking about free kicks, actually, um, 
do you agree that they are uh, too easy at the moment? Because there are a few guys on Twitter who said, oh, it's it's like getting a penalty when you get a free kick, which I always, you know, anything like that, you shrug off and go, okay, that's a huge exaggeration. And then actually someone's put a video up of how to guarantee you score a goal with every free kick you take. I think the video is, I think it's Willian uh, from Chelsea specifically taking free kicks over and over again from different positions and every single one goes in because it's just a case of get the power to uh, 66% or whatever it is, uh, hold left to get the swerve, bang, put it in the corner, keep the stands, no chance. I don't know if you've had uh, a chance to, to play with the free kicks yet or if you've seen any of that. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I feel like they are a little easy to execute. I mean, free kicks in, in real life aren't, aren't really that simple. You've got to hit it powerful enough and dip it enough. And I, I don't see um, enough of that um, kind of in play, that difficulty. But for me, it's more so about the goalkeeper animation. I feel like they just reach so far out. It just kind of makes it where, okay, it's a, it's a free kick. They, you know, they're going to save it, but they're going to go so unrealistically far out of the post. Uh, it's just kind of feel weird um, after a while. So I, I I've seen it. Uh, I, I've experienced it. It's just more so kind of cringy to see the keeper animations on on the way they save some of those. And and that's really kind of how I feel about it. I'd love kind of a little bit more variety there. Um, I don't know if you can hit like dipping shots. I haven't really tried that much. But um, you know, for me, I like free kicks in the sense of kind of seeing crosses and and seeing what the big men up top are going to do. That's where I've really uh, kind of allowed my, um, you know, my testing. I've tried to hit the ball really long to see if my player is going to keep running all the way to the end line and try to head it back in, things like that. Um, that's kind of been more interesting for me. But hopefully it's not super easy to execute free kick goals. I'm sure that's the kind of thing that could be tweaked post-release anyway without it uh, causing too much issue anywhere else. So fingers crossed for that. As much as I could say, Patches in general seem to you know, seem to be uh, to the detriment of the games. I still think the more patches, the more willing that they are to try and change certain things, the better. As long as it's not, you know, make the game faster or, or whatever it might be, which I think is the the main worry at the minute. I but agree. That... I, I wish they would. I wish if they did any patches. I know that kind of kind of teeters off into something else, but if, if patches, I mean, notes would be a fantastic thing. I love what EA's done with the pitch notes, explaining why they've done certain things, providing actual graphical elements, you know, and, and charts, and why this and that. I'm such a big proponent of that, because anytime I'm looking at quote-unquote trying to fix the game, I was, you know, dish out, here's the problem, here's what I'm trying to do to fix it, you know? With with Pass or Konami, you kind of get like, hey, we're addressing this, but we're not saying where this came from. You know, obviously you're getting feedback from somebody, but, you know, why is this being addressed and how is it going to be addressed? Yeah, it's it's a big part of the process. And sometimes, I've said on a previous podcast, it feels to me like there is a guy in Konami HQ who will change things without anybody knowing. And everyone on Evo Web will be like, passing's definitely changed, hasn't it? The passing's definitely more, it's more accurate now and it's faster, isn't it? Something's changed. And of course, the patch notes say nothing and then the next patch comes along and it's different again. And it almost feels like there's one guy over there in charge of putting the patch together at the last minute who's like, right, let's see if they notice this one. It's it's a really odd uh, situation where, again, as you kind of alluded to, they just don't tell you anything in the patch notes. Even when they put at the end gameplay Oh, what's the word that they use? Gameplay, not gameplay improvements, but 
Right. You know, it, it's such a, an odd way of, of uh, putting patch notes out there. The whole point of a patch note system is that you know what's different now. Right. And everything is so vague that it leaves everyone to, to guess. And, of course, that leads to people saying, well, that's placebo. I don't see that. That's not happened to me. So it just becomes uh, infuriating. But anyway, yeah. th- this brings us on to number eight, which is new skills and abilities. So this refers specifically to the skill card bits. So you're talking about uh, the passing abilities before, actually. And that's quite interesting because one of the only new skill cards I've seen is the through pass card. So do you know what I mean by this, where you have, like, um, guys who have, like, the roulette cards? Is it called a roulette? Um, and they're a boner and things like that. They have cards specifically to be able to do those traits and do those tricks. And uh, they've added more of those to the game, one of them being through pass. And I've said in previous podcasts, how can you possibly have a short pass attribute alongside a through pass card and I mean, what, what are you saying? If you have a three pass card and a short pass of 40, you're the best three passer in the world. It, it doesn't really make sense to me. But how do you feel about these new skills and abilities anyway? Well, I think you know how I feel in general about these additional abilities. Uh, to, to me, it's like, I think somebody there in Konami thought, okay, this is a great way to increase what people want to look out for and, and, and kind of what's going to make them stand out. The irony about that to me, I think it limits people, it limits uh, players more than anything. I think it kind of solidifies, hey, you're this type of player. This player is going to be like this, and it's not going to change. What happens in player progression in the Master League, and my, you know, 35 year old captain, um, you know, is about to retire and he's still trying to pull off Rambonas and he ends up, you know, like, where is the context there? Um, that's more important to me than anything. And, you know, and that's cool that they have them. I think that's more of kind of like thinking in the present thing. But, you know, as Master League players, I'm looking at how is that going to benefit long term? And how is that going to, you know, how, how is that going to create more depth into my Master League? Well, it's funny you mentioned Master League because number nine is Master League Legend Managers. How do you feel about them? <laughs> okay, that's cool. I mean... <laughs> I like I like the I I guess the idea of it. I know that's another thing with taking advantage. Hey, we're not going to also put these legends on on the pitch playing a centennial match. Now we're going to go ahead and put them in the management position. And you know, I've heard you on the podcast talk about Maradona playing a very level match or something to that effect, which is completely within his personality. Uh, you know, tongue in cheek there, um, but. <laughs> I, th- I I don't know. I, I guess it's great. But if they use the canned animations for the exact same thing the whole time, I mean, you know, I, that's what I expect it to be. I'll ex- again, that's kind of like where that element comes in to kind of pick your battle, right? It's like, okay, I, I again appreciate that they're trying to build this certain depth into certain players. But, you know, honestly, like if I was this legend, would I really want to go into management? And, you know, it's kind of strange but at the same time you see it in real life you see you know players that are legends that are managing i just i I don't know how it's all going to work out to me it'd be great if there was different managers you know that can get fired etc and 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 i don't know how that all is going to work it's kind of like a coaching carousel it would be kind of neat but again i don't know that's those are things that are more important to me but again I, i appreciate what they're trying to do yeah, that stuff's more important to me as well. The idea that you're in a living, breathing virtual football world and at the end of a season in a Premier League, you have an average of about 10 managers who are gone. 
by the end of a season. And in Pro Evo, you do get managers leaving or being fired, but you're looking at, I think when I played a 2018 Master League, I saw one manager in the Premier League fired in three seasons. And it was the only reason I noticed was because I absolutely smashed Liverpool as I think I might have been Newcastle. And the next time I came around to play them, they had a different manager, which a part of me was like, I caused that. That makes me feel good. But I know that A, that's, that's not actually what happened. And B, when it's the only managerial change in 20, it just doesn't match up to the real world. So hopefully there's been some changes there. I know they're talking about uh, the new transfer systems being based on real world figures, which we'll come on to shortly. In, in fact, we should move straight on to number 10, which is the Master League Interactive Dialogue System. As you say, I do mention it every time I speak to someone. Yes, there's a Maradona screenshot where he's saying to a press conference, we're going to play a cool collected game of football. Like, not any human alive would, would say that at a, a press conference. It's just such a an odd thing to say. And again, I've, I've mentioned this to people before, but there's a screenshot I uploaded to Twitter and tagged Adam Batty in it, actually, because uh, it's from a, I think it's from PES 2018, where I started an, an Inter Milan Master League, and I got a note from the chairman. And again, bear in mind, Inter Milan. All right, Governor, listen, listen up. We're going to get into the Europa League uh, first round, Capiche or something like that. And it was so cockney and weird. And I don't know what happens between, you know, Japan and, and translation and everything else, but it's, it's slightly scary. With the interactive dialogue stuff, if it changes how games develop, if it means that your players talk to you and you have to give them a confidence boost or you have to break the news that you think they're terrible and you've given them a chance for five games and they've not given you any goals or they've you know, let in too many goals or whatever it is and they've got to go. Um, do they get unhappy? Do they ask to move on? Um, does the dressing room atmosphere change at all in a way that impacts your job and makes you have to bring in youth players or, or whatever it might be? Does it actually change any of that or is it just going to be the kind of stuff that we saw in, in 2019, which is when it's a derby game, the camera's in the dressing room, and it's, you know what this means, lads, get out there and score some goals, or, or whatever it might be, which means nothing. Is that how you feel about it as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't have something like that and make it as hollow as possible, you know? It's just, you have to have... I'd love to see a correlation of... You know, like what you mentioned, if you take off a certain player who's not performing well, maybe they have the inspire trait after all, and now you've taken them off and now they're unhappy and they want to leave the club. What is that going to do for your team spirit? You know, like little things like that. I want to see a correlation between there. I don't, you know, I'm not saying I want it to the point where I want the, the, you know, the old school happy, unhappy faces, you know, as bare bones to that, but I, I want a little bit more depth and how is this going to relate and, if I'm going to have to interact with this player, can it be in real time? And can I see how that's going to impact? So like if I say I'm going to bench this player and they have the inspire trait, it's going to give me a message, uh, you know, it says, OK, possible risk of reducing, you know, team spirit by 10 percent or something to that effect. I think that'd be kind of neat because those are things just, you know, not just things football managers think about, but managers in general will think about. But again, it's about picking your battles and what they're actually going to do. Me personally, I feel like it's just going to be cosmetic than anything. 
Yeah, I think it was um, Durandil on Twitter who has got into the game code on PC and released a few things. And he said, oh, look, here's some screenshots from the cutscenes. They look cool. That he's managed to, you know, get the animations out and then play them, basically, because he's a genius. I, I don't know how he do it. But again, it just, to me, looks like let's all have a, a sit down in the dressing room and... I'll give you a team talk before this game and it doesn't impact four marrows or anything. That's another thing I was really hoping when I saw interactive dialogue and Master League refresh. Uh, no, sorry, what was it called? Uh, remastered Master remastered. League. Right. Excellent pun, by the way, Konami. Um, <laughs> the first thing I thought was, oh, please mean that four marrows are gone because they're called four marrows and they're supposed to represent form. But you can have a guy score a hat trick and then be suicidal. It makes no sense. So I was desperately hoping that they might have been gone, but looking at the demo in other modes, at least they're, they're still there. But anyway, all this brings us on to number 11, which is more realistic transfers in the Master League. This year, we've been promised a new transfer system based on real world figures and real world transfer activity that should hopefully be a bit more realistic. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I hope so. I mean, I hope I hope they can achieve that. And, you know, to be honest with you, like, I did not play much Master League last year. And, and honestly, not the year before that. And, and that's just simply because if the on-the-pitch isn't good enough, I'm not going to deal with anything off-the-pitch. And I hope it's, it's something to the point that on-the-pitch is so good that I'm willing to see the value and whatever they're going to do. Now, if I saw... As it's been reported, you know, two goalkeepers and selling, you know, three strikers, that's going to be an issue. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised. And this is just kind of maybe a pessimistic attitude in this, that sense is that there's so many good things maybe about on the pitch that I would hate to see them screw up uh, the management part of things, the kind of the things that make the Master League um, more in depth in that sense. And maybe that kind of pessimism. I don't know. Maybe that's just how I'm going to have to approach it and maybe hope that, uh, that everything's going to go off swimmingly. <laughs> oh, I think that's, I think pessimism from that point of view is warranted because how many years has it been the case that FIFA off the pitch brilliant, on the pitch terrible, and Pro Evo on the pitch brilliant, off the pitch terrible. So I think, you know, any kind of fear there is, is absolutely, you know, based on a, a proven track record. So mm. I cross my fingers. I worry that it's all going to be horribly translated, not meaning anything nonsense. And I still have this horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach that it might be similar to the store, uh, no, well, the journey, sorry, in uh, FIFA <laughs> where you have a kind of a set path to go along and everyone experiences the same thing. And I keep thinking, surely, surely they wouldn't do that because they know everyone wants their own unique experience. Right. Or, you know, it, it, worst comes to worst, uh, you've got that kind of EastEnders, which is a really bad uh, British soap where the actors are just, the you know, lowest kind of skilled actors that you'll ever see, uh, getting really angry about... I remember them having um, an argument on a plane sitting next to each other where one of them was like, well, I think I'm a better striker than you are. And Alex Hunter's like, no, I think I'm a better striker. And then it's, but then I suppose you could look at that another way and go, well, looking at how uh, modern Premier League footballers, you know, conduct themselves and social media and things, maybe there's something to it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's see how it turns out. Number 12 is new celebrations. Do celebrations do anything for you? I'm the guy who just lets it play out. I don't press, and even in FIFA, I don't press anything. I don't. I never know what I'm doing. You know, I, I don't like 
I, I don't get into all that. I like I like to see it naturally play out, see that emotion. You know, I don't want to score in the 90th minute and see a guy start doing the Macarena or something like that. Well, this is something that Django pointed out to me because I said, um, oh, I quite like some of the celebrations that I've seen clips of. There's one where uh, four players run behind the goal and the first player is, they're all running towards the camera and the first guy is just celebrating wildly and then the second guy does a dab and the third guy does like finger guns and um, they all do something different and silly as they pass the camera. And I just thought, I just said, oh, you know, that really, it captures a moment of we're all part of this team, we're all celebrating. It's, it's nice to see. And he said, yeah, it is, until you realise that that's a pre-canned animation and that if you do it with any team, they do the same thing in the same order to the same camera at the same place. Right. And that's where it falls apart for me. That's something where at least I've seen so many celebrations in Pro Evo where they will all be running towards a corner flag, and then when the next celebration part plays out, they're back by the gold mouth. Right, it's, right. It's so that, that takes me out of the experience. As much as I don't care about celebrations and things like that in general, that takes me out of the experience, even though I, I don't really care about it, because it just seems you know, they're magically teleporting around the pitch. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, if anything, this is an opportunity to, you know, put more depth into team chemistry or whatever that's going to be in master league so like if you're a 99 level of team chemistry i think is what you know if you're at a 99 then you can start executing these kind of coordinated celebrations but if you're at like a 30 you know it's not going to be that you know that on point similar to how like my beloved Fulhamore last season when we got you know relegated from the premier league you know <laughs> so we had three managers and we didn't have any coordinated celebrations because we weren't in sync we wanted to concede 70 plus goals. See, that is where I would love to see that level of depth applied to everything. Oh, that, that <laughs> that's some a new level of realism to aspire to for me. That oh, you can't just do any celebration you want. You have to be connected as a team to want to do this together. Oh yeah, yeah. Come on, Konami, give us this. This is <laughs> this is gold. For me, it's uh, always about those qualifying factors. You know, those qualifying factors on. If you're going to have an extra part of it that doesn't involve me kicking the ball or defending the ball, add another qualifying factor. What makes me get to have this thing, this certain feature you're talking about? What What is going to make me qualify to even do this? And that's going to be the separation point of kind of immersion to, to, to kind of realism. And that's kind of what I think is going to blend e-football with the you know the footy part of of PES 2020 or anything you know further beyond that oh you have to say e-football didn't you (laughs) anyway uh that brings us to number 13 which is new licenses so now we know that Liverpool are out Man United are in um Bayern are in and Juventus as well of course it's a shame to see Anfield go and that's always the biggest downer for me whenever they lose one Premier League team brings someone else in. They've always put so much effort into getting the stadium scanned, getting the player scanned and everything else. And then, well, you can keep the player scanned, I guess, but for the stadium to go in the bin when you're playing on a console just seems like such a massive shame not to be able to, to get that back somehow. Yeah, with those licenses, uh, Division 2s are back, of course, in Italy and Spain. And it looks like the, uh, well, it's pretty much confirmed now that Serie A is licensed as well. How do you feel about the new licenses that Pro Evo's got on board? Yeah, I love it. I'm glad they have them. I, we needed them. It was tough last year. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a PC guy as well, but I've also played on console a lot. And I completely agree with you. You lose 
you use that kind of branding, you know, and, and, and now you kind of lose out on, on just the stadium. And we know with PEST that we want more stadiums and we want more customization of stadiums that can be available. And just little things like that um, will just make all the difference in the world. But at the same time, I'm glad we have some of these licenses back and it'll just kind of build build more depth. And, you know, me, I like to use these lower league, uh, lower sides. And so, you know, Serie A, I can use like a lower team like Spal or something like that. Um, just to kind of, you know, take it on to the big boys. I don't, you know, use a lot of big teams. And so it's just better for the, for the depth. And, you know, I can kind of think about who I'm going to use in my master league. You said there that it adds something to the depth to see a range of, of different stadiums that uh, us Pez guys love to see those in. That reminded me that uh, I had a look back through previous years and previous master league wish list threads. And last year we put together a survey that was, um, Basically, I'd had a conversation with Adam and he said, right, if you want to help us out in any way, it'd be great to get some good solid numbers about how many people would rather see X, Y or Z come back. Just a kind of a help us collate a potential feature list. And every time Stadium Editor was mentioned in a poll, that came out on top by a long way. And this was there was gameplay related stuff in these polls as well, by the way. There was stuff like having coaches that you could hire and fire in the Master League so that you're attacking training isn't as good if you don't go and you know invest in that uh, in that area or invest in your training ground or, or whatever it might be stadium editor always came out on top so it's it's a shame that as far as we know uh we don't have anything like that in yet but then there's the whole legal side of it as well so i i guess i uh i can understand why it's that way yeah i know but that brings us to number 14 which is match day mode now this is the mode where uh, say a derby's coming up, say it's uh, Merseyside Red against Merseyside, but oh, it won't be anymore, actually. It'll be Liverpool R against Everton B, now that they've oh. changed those uh, fake names. I don't know if you saw the news the other day, someone's uh, had a look at the editor. Um, you can pre-edit certain leagues so that when the full game comes out, you can just import this stuff into it. Um, and uh, yeah, the English Premier League, all of the towns are mentioned now because you can legally say Liverpool because it's a town and you can legally say Leicester and you know etc etc so gone are Merseyside red and blue and uh, say hello to Liverpool R and Liverpool B nice nice that's good I did not know that so I mean it just makes things easy from a especially if you're not into editing and you don't want to be bothered downloading an option file it can be pretty confusing I mean I remember the days of uh, Riverbrook or in fact Riverblock I think it was um, representing like Bolton Wanderers, I think. And that's where if you're coming to the game for the first time, you're not thinking, Oh, that's quite charming. Actually, that you've got all these kind of made up names. You're just thinking, I don't know who that's supposed to be. And especially if you're, you know, a younger generation, then you're just going to immediately be turned off by it. So, um, but anyway, that takes me completely off my original point. Um, say it's a, a Liverpool Everton derby at the weekend. Um, if you play online, you'll see a little pop-up that says, hey, come play match day mode. For every game that you win, uh, you pick which team you want to win. For every win that you get, it's a point for them. And at the end of the weekend, whoever has the most points wins. So for the online Pro Evo Derby, uh, Everton won, for example. They got the most people winning games for them. How do you feel about that? Indifferent. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it's a cool. I think it's good to participation level and, and engagement. It's not really, you know, on on my scale of things. Um, I'll be slumming it with Fulham in the championship, so that's kind of where my weekends will be focused on. Yeah, the the one good thing that could possibly come out of it is that it might encourage people to be a team other than Barcelona online. That's... I love that idea, actually, Chris. That's a good point. Yeah, because you do see a lot of that. Well, the same teams, the very, you know, and maybe it's even a point to kind of teach people more about, you know, different players, you know, and different elements other than just finding Messi or finding Ronaldo and, and, and you know, using those players and maybe just kind of help their skill set a little bit. With my club being so focused on the best players in the world, and it's the same, you know, with Ultimate Team in FIFA as well. I'm so sick of playing these absolute superstars. I'm exactly like you in terms of I want to start at the bottom, work my way up, start with some average players at best, and fill the holes with you know the best players that you can afford in those positions, or just train them up to be better at those the roles that they've got in order to pull off the tactics that you've uh, you know you've asked them to to go out there and apply to each match. I'm so into that kind of starting at a lower level and building up that for me my club and ultimate team are an immediate no-go because now day one you've got a fully gold team ready to go and you've got superstars left right and center so maybe i i feel like any kind of attempt that they make to add a mode where you can be non-barcelona style teams i feel like people will just stay away from it because they People don't want to do that anymore. People don't want to play with those kind of poorer teams anymore. But hopefully it uh, changes a few minds anyway and encourages yeah. a few people to uh, to give it a go. And that brings us on to number 15, which is the final feature on the list, and that is Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho was announced as a feature, specifically because he's had some new animations um, dialed into the system. He's been motion-captured, uh, doing different dribble types, and uh, yeah, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say indifferent, but I don't really care. But uh, that's very cool. I mean, obviously, it's, it's Ronaldinho. You know, watched him for years um, when I used to, you know, watch a lot of uh, Barcelona, PSG. You know, just seeing, you know, the, still the goal he scored against Chelsea, the toe poke, is still one of the <laughs> incredible goals. I remember watching that on ESPN after school and <laughs> the Champions League with Tommy Smith as the commentator. It's just, you know, that's more nostalgic than anything. And I think that's kind of what the point is. It's a nod to nostalgia um, for, for those who, who it can be applied to. But um, some of the animations are kind of quirky. I've seen like the, the chest animation, I think it is, that somehow morphs into his body and, and it's just perfect touch. And, you know, I mean, sometimes it probably felt like the ball would morph into his body with his touch. So maybe they've established that correctly. But overall, it, it's, you know, that's that's a nice nod for nostalgia. I think it all plays into, you know, Legends is a big part of the game now. That whole kind of the Legends element of it. And it works for some people. And I have to admit, I get pulled into it when I see someone from my uh, childhood. So Michael Owen was probably the guy for me growing up who was on kids TV. He would occasionally appear and do some kind of very basic. If you want to be a striker, these are the kinds of um, exercises you should do and the kind of drills that you should uh, practice as often as you can. And, uh, yeah, he really stands out for me. So seeing him as a legend, you know, that's it does, even though it's not my thing at all, and I'm very much 
simulation head and I'm very much they've retired now so this is silly there is still a part of me that goes yeah but if I'm playing online and I can have him and I can have a classic Liverpool kit which he could get in I think it was 20, 2018 it might be 2019 you could have the old 1990s Liverpool kits with the old Carlsberg logo Carlsberg. On, the, on the front yeah, yeah. exactly that that got me and I, I'd love to say that I'm, I'm stronger than I am but no that got me I had to have that that's a so, good point. That nostalgia is, is definitely a, a big pull. And it's funny you mentioned Michael Owen. It's uh, It must be uh, probably off topic, but I was a goalkeeper for a long time, and I thought for sure I'd be a goalkeeper forever because um, my favorite player at the time was Jose Luis Chilavert, Paraguayan Bulldog. Um, and it wasn't until Michael Owen came onto the scene that I actually wanted to become a striker, and I loved it because I'm short like Michael Owen. And I, you know, you never saw a player like that. I used to like the shorter players, like Marian Pajars for Southampton was one of my, one of the player I used to watch because he was short and could score goals. Zola, but then when Owen came onto the scene, just on another level, short players that could score. He scored with his head, which I could do, and that just changed me. I became a striker because of Michael Owen. So that was interesting you mentioned that. He was a, a big hero to me growing up. And he just exploded onto the scene, this guy who was so fast and so nimble, and his control on the ball for an English player as well at the time. I was just a little bit too young to really appreciate the the Paul Gascoigne years and and see just how much of a genius he was on the ball. And then, yeah, he came out of of nowhere and was just so... He made ball control look, look so easy. And it was really... You just felt excited when he had the ball. And there was a guy at... I'm gonna, uh, yes, I am gonna bring Tramir into this conversation <laughs> out of absolutely nowhere. Um, there was a guy who used to play for Tramir called Andy Parkinson, who's our youth coach now. And, um, when he, when he arrived at the club and he started playing on the wing, he was about, oh, I think 16, 17 when he started. He had a very similar kind of short, very, very fast, great control on the ball. And I remember sitting around season ticket holders at Tramir and going, this guy's not going to be here five minutes. There's going to be a Premier League team come and pinch him because this is, and he still is to this day, the best player I've ever seen in a traveling shirt. And then it turned out that uh, he trained in the exact same year alongside Michael Owen at Liddershaw. It's the FA training camp that the uh, the national team used. And um, yeah, he was brought up in the same kind of, the same classes, did the same drills. And um yeah, I just I remember thinking this guy could be the next Michael Owen, and he re- he really could have been. But then, unfortunately, uh, we had a good cup run going, and we played a few Premier League sides who wanted to make sure that we didn't get to the final, which we did. But he ended up getting a broken leg on the way, um, and it just completely changed him. And that was that hangs heavy in my heart because when he came back, you could see in his eyes the the fear. I used to sit quite close to the front. Uh, when when he came back, I I was dying to see him come back and and be this force of nature that he was before. And you could see in his eyes when a player when he was in a position to dribble past someone, he just froze up and he wasn't doing the same tricks as before. He wasn't going right. I'm going to try and lean you one way and burst past you another. You could see him going, oh, what if you just stick a, a foot out and you just you aggravate it or you, you break an ankle or I I can't take the risk now. And it just changed him and his career from then on just went into a, a spiral. And I'm glad he's come back to the club and that he's part of that youth setup now because being through that kind of national team level coaching system and coming up with Michael Owen, he knows, you know, he knows something about the game. But it was just such a shame to see that career that would have been, um, 
I'm 90% sure he would have been a Premier League player and he would have been a, a renowned footballer. And it's just such a shame to, uh, to see what happened. But anyway, we've, uh, we've digressed and gone we down did it. our, <laughs> yeah, we did it. <laughs> we've gone down our football childhood path too long. So I've got one last question for you. And that is, if you had to describe what Pez means to you in three words, what would those three words be? Oh man. That's the reaction I get every time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Pess is, I would say Pess is the reason I am where I am and just from a, a logical standpoint. So I would say Pess was kind of embedded culture for me of just knowing that, Hey, it didn't have all the licenses. It didn't have all this, but this is what you can do about it. You know, it's such as life, you know, you don't get everything you want in life, but this is what you can do about it. You can change your attitude. So I'd say, you know, culture, attitude, you know, and, and despite recent versions, I'd, I'd say logic, you know, and, and that's kind of where it always stemmed with me. And the logic point was really about the old and kind of a tribute to the older ones because they all, were always logical I mean, because all the numbers added up to what happened on the pitch, you know, and then that's kind of that's pest for me. And the closer we get back to that, the closer it'll I'll kind of stick around longer. Because it's been really troubling not be able to, you know, play a master league because on the pitch has not been to the level I know it's capable of. So your three words, you'd say culture, logic. And what the hell was the other one, Chris? Uh, uh, you know, just I, I would say, yeah, probably logic, culture. Uh, I don't know, maybe, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't have that. I we can't. Have no, we have no I got swearing. no swearing. I haven't. It. I don't swear. I never swear. You know that, right? I never swear. And so <laughs> you got the toughest question for me. Put it in three words. I can give you two, but I would. I would say you know just identity. You know, and that's. Kind of, I think that was the one. The main one is you know just the identity of it. I I know myself as as kind of pets. You know, that's always. I, I, even though I've spent and you know this, I've spent so much time in FIFA and sliders and everything. I'm a Pest fan, true to heart. That's my first love. And, you know, and, and that's really the identity. And, and it's been, it's been like a on again, off again type of relationship, uh, depending on what they put out on the pitch. You know, I think whenever I play FIFA, I always try and make it play like Pez through sliders. The, what I will try, <laughs> the, the whole reason that I play FIFA is because everything off the pitch is fantastic. And I just wish that the gameplay was at a point where it was comparable to Pro Evo in its best years. Right. And I, I always feel like it has potential, but something just stops it getting there. And for me, FIFA 16 was a really, really good football game that was just, it still needed a little bit more freedom. There are a few major issues in terms of movement, in terms of AI, but, right. but it felt like they were close to something, almost like, Pro Evo had PES 2014, where they took a big step in one direction, and you felt like, yeah, this is where it begins. This one, we can discount this one and say it's it's not very good overall because of the fact that things are just broken and it needs more time. But after this, it will get better. And then suddenly, no, it's a complete reversal because it just got panned. And with FIFA, I felt like that was 16. This is the game where it feels like we're reaching a crescendo here. We started... <laughs> You know, FIFA 09 or FIFA 10, uh, where we had the arenas for the first time and the ball felt completely free. I remember when that demo came out, whether it was, it was either FIFA 08, 09 or 10, where 
you had the practice arena as part of the demo. And I remember just coming in from having played football at the park, coming in, putting that on and going, oh my God, the ball is a separate entity for the first time. This feels, this is what technology moving on, right. you know, can do. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. You know, never mind a cure for every disease known to man, a cure to poverty and everything else. This is what I've wanted from technology. And we're getting closer all the time. And then 16 was, it felt like it was reaching a point where, right, the next one's going to be fantastic. And then frostbite happened. Oh. And everything. Frostbite killed it all. How did they do from FIFA 16 from, you know, the AI finally passing around the back, even though it was overdone at times, the fact that FIFA, of all games, did that, you know, you knew it was somewhat close. And I squeezed every bit of amount of sliders as I could into that to try to take full advantage. And then, like you said, Frostbite hit. And now we just went into hyper weird animation and ball physics and small ball size of all things, you know, and it just went all over the place. And like you said, maybe it's a crescendo. Maybe PES is at that point where it's kind of recapturing what it tried to do in PES 14. It just only took six years for it to get to a certain point to rediscover that, hey, they might have had it right all along, but now it's about blending what people are familiar with and what kind of logic they're trying to you know, capture at that time. You know what happens next, though, don't you? Next mm. year, Unreal Engine, new game, it all happens again. I've barely got any hair left as it is, but by that point I will be pulling it out completely. <laughs> but uh, it, do you know what? I'm going to ask you one more cheeky question while I've got you, because you know I'm a huge admirer of yours, and uh, we <laughs> both play Pro Evo and FIFA, which I think most people on Evo Web would probably... I think most people would play Pro Evo and most people would play one or the other as opposed to playing both. So just humor me. You've seen the news about 2020, played the demo. You've seen the FIFA 20 news and we got some very, very limited gameplay footage from the uh, Ultimate Team reveal the other day. Which are you more excited for, Pro Evo 2020 or FIFA 20? And if you say FIFA, I'll cut this bit out and no one has to get angry about it. Don't worry about it. You you got you know this is like the toughest question for me though because it's and because I think about it you know I'm trying to think of content you know for YouTube etc and 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 I'm trying to think like how can I pick one or the other they they're different games you know they're the same sport but they are different games they they try to accomplish it things in in their own way but ah uh, it's really tough I for me it's always about what feels more like the type of game i'm gonna play so like for pest sometimes i feel more like it's like a like a version of Serie A and la liga does very well in that sense you know but then is it really an english game is it like really like hard nose muddy pitch you know small stadium i think fifa does better at that and that atmosphere so for me it's kind of like which one is satisfying what i'm trying to accomplish and that is a really um, uh, kind of diplomatic answer, probably not what you want to hear, but at the <laughs> same time, that's kind of the best I can put in terms of when you compare the two. I feel like they're different games trying to accomplish the same thing, but they just have different environments that kind of make me gravitate towards one or the other. Um, but it, for me, it would be amazing to play a Master League and, and pass after a long absence and actually trying to, you know, actually get a kind of start it and enjoy it and, and not be frustrated by one little thing that can ruin it and 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 sometimes it's three things you know um and again 
you know, with, with FIFA and PES, I've always got to bring it up, Chris. It's, you know, what can I customize? With FIFA, obviously, we can customize gameplay, and that can lead to, you know, a kind of rabbit hole of things. And PES, you can only do so much, but it's just as much as a rabbit hole, um, you know, to want it to play how you, how you want it to. So based on the demo, I would say PES is definitely in favor right at this very moment. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm in the same place. I have this horrible feeling that all of the Pro Evo build-up, all of the, the feature lists, the videos, the uh, E3 announcements, I was looking at all this and going, I'm not impressed. I'm not feeling any of this. And then there get more gameplay videos come out from test events, and I'm going, this is still on rails. I can still see a power bar popping up above someone's head so they've tried to initiate a pass, and then the guy takes six steps so that he's in just the perfect position for the AI defender to come in and get the ball or what have you. I, I'm not feeling this. And then the demos come out, and I'm like, do you know what? Actually, this is pretty good. This feels like it could be one of the best PES games I've, I've played. If they just sort out a few of the niggles that I've got, I, again, this kind of cloud of fear is hanging over me in terms of whether foul's going to get too annoying because... There's so many blows for absolutely nothing. And yeah, is the AI going to be truly different enough? It seems a bit passive to me. I don't feel ever uh, under pressure from the AI. And I put up um, an experiment on Evo and said, can everyone please play as Vasco da Gama against Barcelona and tell me that you struggle because I finish with over 60% possession each time and I can outplay them. And that's the stuff that really scares me because that could easily transfer to the full version. But if you take those fears away from it, the general gameplay feel is, it just feels better than, than it has for, for a long time. Whereas with FIFA, everything I've read about FIFA 20 has made me so, so hyper excited. <laughs> the guy, that, that Operation Sports preview again yeah. just is everything that I want from FIFA. Oh, they've made it slower. It's more about player attributes and anything else. They showed a video where Ronaldo, with his 96 dribbling ability, could get past Ramos. But when you lower that, he's knocking the ball all over the place, trying to keep it under control because of the speed that he's running at. And therefore, he can't get around Ramos because he just clumsily kind of, you know, hits him almost as he's trying to get past. And I'm reading this stuff and going, oh, my God, this is the football game of dreams from, you know, all of these descriptions. And then they have the ultimate team reveal, which obviously means nothing to me anyway. It's not my side of the game. But there's a few gameplay clips with that. I've just been desperately waiting for any hint of, of gameplay at all. And there it is. It's 100 miles an hour and it looks exactly the same. I still <laughs> see this kind of players zipping in two different directions in the space of two seconds rather than focusing on there's the ball carrier or that's where I'm supposed to be. And I'm looking at it and going, oh, my God this is going to be the biggest letdown. 19 felt great in so many ways, but just generally, it was, it was off. Ball physics, terrible. And yeah, fix that up. Fix player movement. Make them a bit less jellyish, and we'll talk. But then everything that's come out of the, the FIFA 20 previews, I've been so hyped for. And now I'm like, is this going to be a complete flip reverse? Is it going to be actually Pro Evo is the best? And FIFA just turns out to be exactly the same as last year. So we can but hope that it's just some dodgy Ultimate Team videos and that uh, we get two amazing football games this year. Yeah, agreed. Agreed completely. 
Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your uh, busy day to, to speak to me. I can't wait to get this up because I know so many people will be excited to, to hear an episode with you. Because, as I say, you are revered amongst us. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. I appreciate that very much, Chris. It's been, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. First time speaking after all these years and being able to do this. And please, please keep on doing what you're doing. I know you might get to a point where you do it all of the time, your videos that, that pop up. I always think you must test this stuff so much that you drive yourself crazy with it sometimes. I know that me playing with sliders, I'm like, oh, does five on that line height make that much of a difference? <laughs> so I know you might reach a point where you go, do you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. But for the love of all of us sim fans out there, please keep doing what you do. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that very much. Wait a minute, what are you still doing here? This podcast ended three seconds ago. Actually, it's probably a bit more than that. But anyway, seeing as you're still here, just a reminder that if you want to leave a voice message for us that's related to this episode, whether there's something that you really strongly disagreed with and we've ruined your day, or whether there's something that you want to thank us for being able to put into beautiful words, seeing as myself and my guest this week are such excellent wordsmiths, then leave us a voice message. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash evo dash web. That's still too much punctuation. That's anchor. A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash Evo dash web. I'm not spelling that bit out for you. You should know how that's spelt by now. And now, back to bed. Night-night, everybody.